Genesis chapter 19, verse 27. Now Abraham arose early in the morning and went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out in the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Let's pray. Father, we ask you this morning to speak to our hearts. We need your word. We need to hear what the Spirit would say to us. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. When you read the Bible, I want to encourage you to always be very observant to the details. God wrote the scriptures by inspiration, and so we are reading a message from God when we read the Bible. Say amen if you believe that. When you read Genesis chapter 18 and Genesis chapter 19, it gives us an account of two events that take place in the lives of two men, and these two men are related. These two chapters are parallels, and if you read them without being too observant, you may not notice the parallels that exist between these two chapters, but we see a great contrast between chapter 18 and chapter 19 of the book of Genesis, and most likely this morning I will not be able to finish the, the totality of this message, so I'm going to give you as much as I can, and I want to encourage you this week to go and read these two chapters from the Word of God. In chapter 18, some really incredible good things are happening in the life of Abraham, and in chapter 19, some devastating and terrible things are happening in the life of Lot. And so I want to share with you this morning the tale of two families. Abraham and Lot are relatives. Abraham is Lot's uncle. And so these two men come from the same place. They come from the same lineage, the same background. And although God called Abraham, Lot was able to enter into that calling, enter into that faith, uh, along with his uncle Abraham, and he becomes a part of the story of uh, the Christian uh, or, or the Jewish faith as well as the Christian faith. But the, the outcomes of the lives of these two men are so vastly different that they deserve our study today. Because you see, you and I could go to the same church, hear the same sermon, and end up with completely different lives if we don't apply the things that we're being taught by God. You see, you might be standing next to somebody, but in, it, it depends on the direction of their life. A few degrees of separation here are a great many hundred miles down the road of separation. And this is what happens in the case of Abraham and Lot. They began at the same place, but the Bible tells us that Abraham's family would become the nation of Israel. Israel, of course, would become the seedbed of the Word of God and of the Messiah. And you and I today are blessed by the Jewish people. The Bible says God told the nation of Israel, I will bless you and I will make you 
a blessing. God blessed this nation so much that to this day the nation of Israel exists. It is an ancient nation, a nation that has outlived the pharaohs. It's outlived the Babylonians. It's outlived the Greeks. It's outlived the Romans. And if America goes by way of the dust, it will outlive America. And God has given his blessing to the Jewish people. And as a result, they have been a blessing to us. Two primary ways that the Jewish people have been a blessing to us. The Jewish people have been a blessing to us because they gave us the word of God. How many of you love your Bible? The Bible is a Jewish book. It's written by Jewish men, and it was given to us by this family of God, by this family of faith. The next blessing you and I have received from the Jewish people is that we received the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you love Jesus? Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies given to the Jewish people, and as a result, you and I have been blessed with the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ because of the family of Abraham. On the other hand, you have the family of Lot. Lot's family became the family or the nation of Moab. And this nation would become a pagan nation. A nation that would be a thorn in the side of the people of Israel and would ultimately be a nation that would provoke the nation of Israel along its history. This nation is so vastly uh, different from the nation of Israel and uh, it is so important that you and I take notice of this this morning because we are living in a time for choosing, a time for decision. And really what this message is about and who this message is for this morning is for two groups of people. First of all, it's for believers and then it's for nominal believers. Say that with me, believers and nominal believers. What is a nominal believer? A nominal believer or nominal Christian is someone who is a Christian in name only. They wear the t-shirts. They uh, even go to church. They sing the hymns. They know all about the Christian faith. They can quote Bible verses and pray, but they do not walk with God. And this morning, I have to address uh, these two groups of people because these two groups of people are in every church. Every church in America has believers. Those are people who walk with God, people who know God, people who are in relationship with him, who walk in righteousness, who walk in integrity, who serve the Lord, who live their life in order to please the king and to, who adjust their life to fit the, the standards of the kingdom of God. But then there are also in every church nominal believers, people in name only. And, and God allows these two groups to grow up together. Uh, and someday there's going to be a, a sifting. There's going to be a, a taking away of one and the other. And I want you to know that you're a believer and not just be a nominal believer. Say amen, somebody. I don't want you to be uh, somebody that's just in name only, uh, in speech only, talking about being a Christian, but then your heart actually being far away from God. Abraham was a believer. Lot was a nominal believer. And this nominal believer, although he walked very close to the faith of Abraham, finds himself and his family being ages away from what God intended for him. I don't want that to happen in your family, especially not this year. Say amen, somebody. Now let's begin then with Abraham. Genesis chapter 18, we read the story of the patriarch Abraham. He is a 99 years old. How many of you know that's pretty old? 
Uh, when you get to be 99 years old, it's about time to rest. Well, that's what Abraham is doing in, in uh, Genesis chapter 18. The Bible says that Abraham uh, was sitting by the, do the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He was taking a break. And the Bible said that while he was sitting there, three men appeared to him. He received a visit by three men. Now, this is a very interesting visit because it says that the Lord appeared to Abraham. That means that God himself came down to visit Abraham. How many of you would like a visit from God? Well, Abraham receives a visit from God. Now, there are two ways we could possibly interpret this. Number one, we might see here that God appeared in three persons because he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that is an astounding thought to think that Abraham may have received a visitation from the Godhead. The three persons of the Trinity showed up by the Oaks of Mamre to visit this man of faith. And uh, the other interpretation that's possible is that uh, Abraham saw the Lord Jesus Christ uh, prior to the incarnation. He saw the Son of God, and he was accompanied by two angels that we will see in the next chapter. However you look at it, however you interpret this, we probably uh, uh, can say that for sure this was the Lord Jesus Christ appearing to Abraham. However you see it, this is an extraordinary thing. God visited Abraham. And the scripture says that when God visited Abraham, that Abraham immediately discerned, this is the Lord. And when he saw that it was the Lord, he said, do not pass me by. He immediately understood. This is a special opportunity. God has come to visit me, and I don't want this visit to pass me by. I don't want to miss an opportunity with God. I want you to say that with me this morning. Do not pass me by. You know, God is looking for a church that will say, Lord, if you're going to visit Beeville, don't pass me by. If you're going to visit Kingsway, don't pass me by. I need you to show up in my house. I need you to show up in my life. Say amen, somebody. He is looking for somebody that will say, Lord, don't go by my house. Don't go by my neighborhood without, without visiting me, without talking to me. You see, that's what a true believer does. A true believer seeks after God. A true believer wants to be in the presence of God. Now, we know this from the Bible that God comes to prepared environments. That means that God comes where you are ready to receive him. Listen, you and I this morning have been in the presence of the Lord. Have you experienced the presence of the Lord this morning? Do you know that God is also in the bar this morning? Because he's omnipresent. That's, that means he can't be, there's no place where God is not. God cannot be absent from any spot on earth or the universe. But how come they didn't experience him in the bar and you and I experienced him at church? Because we prepared ourselves for him. We prepared an environment for him. We worshiped him. We invited him in. That is why he is here uh, and he is there. But we experience him here because we have prepared a place for him. So what am I telling you this morning? If you want a visitation from God, all you need to do is prepare a place for him. That means begin to worship him. Begin to talk to him and God will show up in your life. Now he's not going to show up with three angels, alright? Don't worry about that. But he will show up by the Holy Spirit and he will talk to you and he'll lead you and he'll guide you into all truth. Say amen somebody. If, if you prepare a place for God, God will show up. 
The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So next time you're driving out of town and you're driving on that long road, you start worshiping God. God will come and sit in the car with you and he will talk to you and he'll share with you and he will give light to the dark areas of your life. Say amen, somebody. You've got to make room for God to show up in your life. That's what Abraham did. He said, don't pass me by. And he, he went and he told Sarah. He said, Sarah, uh, Sarah bake some bread. And, uh, and then he went out and he killed a fatted calf and he prepared some barbecue. And you just imagine that this took a little while. Uh, but, but this feast was prepared because Abraham did not want to miss this opportunity to meet with God. And the scripture says that when they had finished eating, that the Lord said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, this time next year, you're going to have a baby in your arms. This time next year, Sarah will give birth to a son. And you know what happened? The Bible said that when Sarah heard that, she laughed because Sarah was 90 years old. And Abraham was 99 years old, and Sarah knew that this was long past nursery rhymes, right? We have, uh, we have missed that train. That bus left the station. Uh, that, that car doesn't go anymore. And God said, you're going to have a baby in a year. And, and what I want you to notice right here is that when God visited Abraham, he came with a blessing. He came to tell him, Abraham, you've been waiting 25 years for this promise to be fulfilled in your life, but this is the year for it to happen. This is the time when this is going to come to pass in your life. God has spoken to us as a church, and he has said 2020 is going to be a year of manifestation, a year where you, where things that you have waited for for a long time are going to come to fruition in your life. Say amen if you receive it. Say amen if you believe it. 2020 is a year to see manifested what God has already spoken in your life. You see, Sarah laughed because by the natural, it was an impossibility. But here's the thing. When the king speaks, there's power. You remember that? Where the word of the king is, there is power. When God speaks, whatever he says is going to come to pass. And God was telling Abraham, in a year, you're going to see what you have been waiting for for a very long time. I, is, there, is this word for anybody this morning? Is there anybody in here that's ready to see some things happen, some things move in your life? Come on, you got to activate your faith. This morning, say, this is my year for manifestation. And now half of you said it, and the other half lost yourself halfway. Say it again. This is my year for manifestation. What is God saying to you? What is he saying about this year? About what he's going to do in your life, in your family? You say, Pastor, I haven't heard God say anything. Well, you need to listen. Because God's a talker. He's a communicator. And he tells Abraham, and this time next year, you're going to have a baby in your arms. There's going to be, there's going to be nursery rhymes being sung in Sarah's tent. And the promised child is going to come. And then the Bible says that the men rose up and began to walk out of Abraham's neighborhood. And while they were walking out, the two angels went ahead of Abraham and the Lord. And Abraham and God kept walking together. Now just imagine this incredible scene. Abraham is walking with the Lord, and the Lord has a thought. And the Lord is on his way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He's on his way to destroy that city 
for its wickedness. And the scripture says that he was going there because the cry of Sodom had reached the heavens. Now, I want you to understand something about God. God is incredibly just. God cannot be unjust. That means that God will never uh, put to trial someone without the proper evidence. And here's the thing. Sodom's cry had reached the heavens. That means that their time had run out. God had given them a space for mercy. He had given them a time to repent. We don't know how long that time was. But we know that the patience of God is long. And so he had given them a space to repent. And now their time was up. Listen, church, God has given America a space. God has given America a time. I don't know how long that time is, but I'll tell you this. We're running the clock. We're playing like it doesn't matter, like God doesn't care. But, friends, there's coming a day when God's going to call America to accountability. He's going to call America to judgment. And you and I had better realize that this morning. We better realize we're living in a land that is provoking the wrath of God. And as a people... Sodom had run the clock out. They're out of time. And then the Bible said the Lord came down to look at them. That means he's not going to destroy them on secondhand knowledge. He's going to judge them based on his own view of things. He's going to judge them rightly. He has come down to bring wrath upon this, this city and really a, a, a region of cities that were in complete rebellion against God. The scripture says that the Lord, because he's on his way to do that, he's at Abraham's house to bless Abraham, but he's on his way to Sodom to destroy Sodom, and he has a thought. And he says, can I go and destroy Sodom without telling Abraham about this? I need to tell Abraham. Now, here's a couple things I want you to notice right here. All right, number one, I want you to notice this. God... Doesn't need to do anything. You know that, right? God is not under obligation to anybody or anything. But why does he say to himself, I've got to tell Abraham? You see, something about Abraham had put a demand upon God. Something about Abraham's relationship with God made it so that God said, You know what? I've got to tell Abraham what I am planning to do. And I want to explore that with you this morning because there is an incredible value. Not only is this a fascinating subject, but this is something you and I can learn about God. That God wants to tell us things and he loves to disclose himself to us. He, he wants for us to understand his heart. And so he says, can I destroy Sodom without telling Abraham what I'm about to do? Now, here's the next thing I want you to notice real quick, and that is that God can bless with one hand and judge with the other. How many of you had a mama like that? You had an ice cream cone in one hand and a chocolate in the other. You see, when you look all around you, you see, you see a world that God is judging because of sin, and you say, you know, there, must, there may not be any time on God's schedule to bless me. I don't want you to think like that. Because if you are in the family of God, the blessing of God is on your life. The Bible said that when God judged Egypt, Israel was in the house feasting. In the middle of the wrath of God on the nation of Egypt, God was blessing the children of Israel. And that's the same thing that God speaks over your life today. When the world around you is in chaos and ruin and judgment, you can look up and know my God is a blesser and my God's going to bring me through and I'm not going to come under the same wrath because the Bible says you and I have not been appointed unto wrath. 
Say amen, somebody. God can do those two things at the same time. You've got to decide which place am I going to be. And am I going to be under his blessing or under his wrath? Am I going to welcome his visitation for blessing or am I going to receive his visitation for wrath? And, uh, and this is true for every generation. This is true for every group of people in all of the earth. Today God is speaking to you and he's saying to you, I want to visit you. I want to bring blessing upon your life. I want to make this year a year of manifestation. But there are options. There are choices. There are things you have to decide to do. Now here's the question this morning. Why does God tell Abraham what he's about to do? He's, none, he's under no obligation to do so. But this is so fascinating to me. To think that God would stoop down and talk to a man about what he's about to do. And to feel like he is committed to telling Abraham something that he really is not obligated to do at all. But this is the, the nature and the heart of God. And there are four reasons why I believe God told Abraham what he was about to do. And I want you to learn from these four reasons this morning. Because these are keys to receiving revelation from God. How many of you would like to receive revelation from God? I mean the inside scoop. Insider information. Secrets. How many of you would like to learn more about God this year? You'd like to go deeper with God this year. These four, these four truths are very important. Number one, God told Abraham what he was about to do in Sodom and Gomorrah because Abraham was his friend. Have you ever discovered that we like to tell our friends stuff? You know what? I'm thinking about buying that house. They're not going to buy the house for you. They're not going to give you a down payment. They're not going to make the decision. Why do you got to tell them? Because they're your friend. And God is going to tell Abraham, I'm going down to, to destroy Sodom because you're my friend, Abraham. And I don't want to go and do that without telling you, without disclosing it to you. How would you like to be the person in your family that God comes and talks to before he deals with members of your family? For the Lord to say, look, I'm about to deal with your son, with your daughter. Here's what I'm about to do. You can have that relationship with God. The book of Isaiah tells us that God speaking, he said, I have created Israel because, because Abraham was my friend. He shares with us the fact that God had a relationship with God that was beyond that of a boss and a servant. It was that of a friend. A relationship that is, that is built on trust. It's built on time. It's built on communion. It's built on shared experience. Here's what the Bible says in the book of John chapter 15. Verse 15. Jesus was speaking to the disciples. He says, no longer do I call you slaves or servants. For slaves do not know what their master is doing. But I have called you friend. Everybody say friend. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Listen, God wants to call you friend. He wants to call you friend. How many of you want to be a friend of God? How many of you are a friend of God? You know, a few years ago we used to sing a song, I am a friend of God. You remember that? I am a friend of God. And I used to think half people singing it don't even know God. In order to be God's friend, you've got to walk with him. Nominal believers are not friends of God. The Bible said to be a friend of the world is to be the enemy of God. 
So if you're going to be God's friend, you've got to walk with him, you've got to believe him, and you've got to obey him. Take on his character, his nature, his vocabulary. Abraham was a friend of God. And God wants you to be his friend. And Jesus says, I'm not going to call you servant anymore. Because a servant doesn't know what the master's up to. But I want to call you friend. And everything my father tells me, I'm going to tell you. I want to disclose to you the secrets of the heart of God. Listen, this is an invitation to you and I this morning to say this year, I'm going to become a friend of God. I'm going to go deeper and nearer to God than I've ever been because I want to see what God sees and I want to know what God wants to say to me and to my family and to this nation. Now, I know that a whole lot of you may say, Pastor, that just seems out of my reach. I don't think I could be a friend of God. I'll be happy just knowing a guy that's a friend of God. No, you can know God. You can walk with God. You can enjoy fellowship with God. Come on, somebody. He's standing at the door of your heart. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and hang out with him. I'll spend time with him. I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. Here's the second reason that God told Abraham what he was about to do. Because Abraham had greatness inside of him. Listen, the Bible said, the Lord said, how can I keep this from Abraham seeing as how he's going to be a nation? There's greatness on the inside of this man. And I cannot discuss. I cannot keep from disclosing to him because of, the, because of the status that he's going to have. Listen, we all, we all have this, um, maybe uh, you've, you've noticed this or not, but most of our families have this person. Sometimes it's dad, sometimes it's grandpa. But this person that you go and talk to when you're about to make a big decision. You guys have that person in your family? Or maybe that person in your church? And, and they're not going to make the decision for you. But you just like them to know. You just like them to know because they're going to cover you with prayer. Because they're going to give you some wisdom, some insight. This is essentially what God is doing with Abraham. He's saying, I've got to go talk to Abraham because Abraham is an influential man. There's greatness on the inside of him. Here's the deal. At that moment in time, Abraham didn't have an Isaac. He didn't have a son through whom the nation of Israel could come. But God was looking into his past. And he was looking beyond his present to see what Abraham was going to do. Can I tell you this morning that when God looks at you this morning, he doesn't see who you are now. He sees the greatness that's on the inside of you. He sees who, are you, who you are going to become. Say amen, somebody. He sees the places that you're going to go and the things you're going to do for him. Say amen, somebody. Because God sees more than you see. When you and I look in the mirror, we see our limitations. We see what we can't do. We see our failures in our past. God sees your future. He sees what he's put on the inside of you. And he knows the greatness that's in you. And he says, I'm going to tell them things that are related to their greatness, that are related to their future. You know, when I was a very young, young man, as a, as a, I started preaching at the age of seven. I started traveling preaching at the age of 14. And, you know, when I was about 17, 18, into my early 20s, I would go to a church, and the pastor would sit down with me and say, Isaac, I think I might quit this church. I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And they would open up their heart to me, and I would be saying, wait a minute, man, I cannot handle that. I don't have any advice for you. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. And this happened so many times that it would scare me. 
And I'll think, God, why are these people telling me stuff? Why are they entrusting with, uh, within this young man these, these vital secrets of their life? What I didn't realize was that they were speaking to me not as who I was, but as who I was going to be. God had given them the ability to trust not the man I was at the moment, but the man that I was going to be. And that's what God is doing in your life. That's why he's doing the things that he's doing in your life. Listen, somebody, I'm talking to you this morning. God is showing you things that don't make any sense for where you are right now. He's showing you doing things that don't make any sense for where you are right now. But don't worry about what doesn't make sense. God is talking to your future. He's talking to the man and the woman that you're going to be. Say amen, somebody. God saw the future, the greatness of Abraham. And he said, this man's going to become a nation. And out of this man is going to come the Messiah. I will not keep this secret from him. I've got to tell him. Because he's not only going to become a nation. He's going to become a people of faith. He's going to become the Jewish people and the Christian, and the Christian people. He's going to become a, a, a nation that will touch the world by their faith. And so he speaks and he discloses his heart. His plan to Abraham. I don't know about you, but I want to be that man that God can talk to. I want to be that church that God can say, here's what I'm about to do. Because there's greatness on the inside of us, Kingsway Church. Come on, somebody. I said there's greatness on the inside of us. Listen, I realize sometimes I preach a sermon that flies over our heads. And we're kind of staring up at it like, where was pastor this morning? Don't you worry about where I was. You just grab a hold of it. I said, you grab a hold of it. I said, you grab a hold of it. Because God knows what he's going to do in you. See, some of you are like Sarah. Last summer, I said, you're in a season of miracles. <laughs> oh, pastor and his funny statements. I said, this is a year for manifestation. <laughs> oh, pastor, you're so funny. And you're laughing at God's prophetic word over your life. Stop laughing and start believing. I said stop laughing and start believing. I said stop laughing and start believing. It's time to believe God. It's time to release your faith for what God is going to do in your life. Because God can see it though you can't. Here's the third reason God spoke to Abraham about what he was going to do. Is that he knew that Abraham would profit from the disclosure. He knew that Abraham would know what to do with the information. Now I'm going to use a negative example to prove a point real quick. How many of you, if you needed to spread a rumor, you know exactly who you would go tell? Just cut straight to the quick, right? If I tell this person in the morning, the whole world will know by night. Because they know what to do with the information. God is going to tell Abraham what he's about to do because he believes Abraham will know what to do with the information. Listen, the secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. Do you fear God? Listen to what verse 19 says. In, in chapter 18 of Genesis, verse 19, look at it uh, and see it there with your, with your eyes in the Bible. It says, I have chosen him. So that he may commit, command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. 
God is about to go destroy Sodom, but he says, I'm going to tell Abraham because Abraham's going to learn from what I tell him. And he's going to take what he learns and he's going to teach it to his son Isaac. And Isaac's going to teach it to Jacob and Jacob's going to teach it to the tribes and the tribes are going to teach it to the nation and the nation is going to declare it to the world. This is why we have the book of Genesis today. Because the family of Abraham took seriously the word of the Lord and they wrote it down. And Abraham communicated to his children what God was saying. Listen, God is looking for somebody who will communicate truth to somebody else. He's looking for somebody who will tell their children and their grandchildren, this is how you serve God. Listen, this is the tale of two families. If you want to be on the side of Abraham, you've got to do what Abraham did. Your family is not going to just wake up and be this glorious Christian family for five or six generations unless you wake up right now and start telling them, this is how we do it in this family. This is the work of the Lord. This is the faith we have. Come on, somebody. You've got to determine that now. You've got to teach them that now. It doesn't do you any good to bring them to children's church and Bible study and then not reinforce the word of God at home. I don't need, I don't hear any amens, but I don't need them right now. I'm going to tell you what you got to hear. Listen, it's not the church's job to raise a Christian family. That's your job. Say, that's my job. The church is here to help you to communicate faith to your children. And Abraham could be trusted by God. You see, the Bible says we don't cast our pearls before swine. That means we don't take the precious truths of the word of God and just drop them anywhere and hope they become something. No, God knew he needed a man that he could trust with divine disclosure, with divine revelation. Somebody that he could trust to teach his family and say, look, if you go down that road, you're going to end up like Sodom. You're going to end up like Gomorrah. You're going to end up in the judgment and wrath of God. You've got to serve the Lord. It's time to seek God. It's time to do it God's way. God is looking for some families at Kingsway Church. And I believe he has found some families that will say, Lord, however the world wants to do it, let the world be the world, but we're going to be the church. Let the world be the world, but we're going to believe, we're going to believe God. We're going to do it God's way. We're going to spend our money God's way. We're going to spend our time God's way. We're going to do entertainment God's way. Come on, somebody. We're going to do it the way the Lord has said. Can God trust you this morning? We all want more blessing, but can God trust us with the blessing? Can God give you more money? Can God give you a bigger house? Can God give you more responsibility, more influence? Can he trust us with divine disclosure? Because listen, if God can trust you with it, he'll give you more. You know what the Bible says? He who has, more will be given to him. But he who has not, even what he has will be taken. When you can be trusted by God, God will give you more. How many of you want more? You say, I'd like to be the pastor of Kingsway Church someday. All right. Then learn to walk with God. And when God can trust you with the greatness of this church or the greatness of his ministry, when he can put that in your hands and know that it's not going to go to your head, that you're not going to violate his word in order to get people to do the right things, that you're going to preach the word of God straight and square, and that you're not going to flinch, that you're going to do it God's way. He'll say, all right, I'll give you more. 
I'll give you more. I, I, we were talking about this in the, in the back room this morning, but I, I started my teenage years in, in church uh, in my service. I was a van driver. Hated being a van driver. The number one reason I hated being a van driver was because I had to pick up the ancianitas, you know, the viejitas, the old ladies. I don't see any old ladies in here this morning, but there were a whole lot of them in my dad's church, and then I had to help them on and off the van. And the problem was that when I tried to grab their elbow, there was nothing there. It was jello. And that kind of that grossed me out a little bit. So I hate this job. But God's got to trust you with the viejitas. Say amen, somebody. God's got to trust you with the little thing. He says, if you're faithful with the very little thing, I will put you over great things. And God wants to put so much into Abraham. But Abraham has first learned to be trustworthy. And whatever God teaches him, he's going to teach somebody else. He's going to give it away. He's going to share it. And then, number four, why does God give Abraham this disclosure? Here's the fourth reason, that God was looking for an intercessor. What's an intercessor? An intercessor is someone who stands between God and the people he's about to judge. Someone who intercedes. Someone who will take a stand and say, God, wait. Have mercy. Look at what Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 says. God speaking. He said, I searched for a man. What did God do? What did he do? I searched for a man who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me in the land. So that I would not destroy it. Saddest words in the Bible. I found none. I'm going to read that again. God said, I searched for man. I looked everywhere. I looked in the front row, the back row, the middle row. I looked at the house. I looked on Facebook. I looked everywhere for a man to stand before me and intercede for Israel. And I found no one. He says it again in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 16. And he saw that there was no man. And he was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Why wasn't there anyone to intercede? Perhaps because they were all interested in their own thing. Perhaps because they were all too busy to hear from God. I believe God is looking for somebody in America to stand up and intercede for this country. To intercede for this nation. And God is looking for somebody to stand up in Beeville and intercede for our city. And intercede for our state. May it not be that in the year 2020, God says, I found no one. Where do you work? Where do you work? Do you work for the government? Do you work in the school? Do you work in the prison system? Do you work on a refinery? Do you work in the oil industry? Are you in Christian ministry? God's looking for somebody in there that will intercede. He's looking for one man. He doesn't need the whole church. He needs one man to stand up and say, God, have mercy. 
And God knew if I tell Abraham, Abraham will intercede. If I disclose this to Abraham, Abraham knows my heart. He'll ask for mercy. God is looking for that man in that business. He's looking for that man in that, in that industry. He's looking for that man, that woman, who will say, God, I'm here. I'll stand in the gap. I'll get between you and the judgment that is due on the people. And I will do that. Here's what Isaiah says. God is looking for a man who will call on his name and arouse himself to take hold of God. Why did God wake you up in the middle of the night to tell you about Johnny? Because he could trust you to intercede. Why did he wake you up in the middle of the morning when you're having your best dreams and put a burden on your heart to pray for the pastor or to pray for a missionary? Because he could trust you to intercede. He could trust you to say, God, have mercy. God, stand up and deliver. God, arise. Listen, there's somebody, there's a whole lot of somebodies in here. The only reason you're even standing in this church this morning is because 10 years ago, 20 years ago, somebody went before God and said, God, don't let them be destroyed. Don't let them be destroyed. Come on, somebody. Your mama, your dad went before God. Grandmama, somebody went before God and said, God, have mercy. And you're here today because God heard the prayer of an intercessor. You know what the Bible says in the book of Revelation? It says that the prayers of the saints are gathered in a bowl. And they rise as incense before God. Listen, this is an incredibly powerful revelation for every prayer person in this church. Listen, when you pray... Your prayers do not die until they're answered. You may die. Mama may die. Grandma may die. Grandpa may die. Pastor may die. But their prayers keep rising up before God. They're not, they're not in heaven praying for you. They can't do that right now. They're not your intercessor. But their prayers are still rising up before God. And God is being reminded every day of those prayers. That's why you're here this morning. You're not here by accident. You're not here by choice or coincidence. You're here because God has heard somebody's prayer. And God has stood in the gap. And someone has stood in the gap before you and God to plead for your soul. Don't miss the opportunity. God says to Abraham... I'm going to Sodom today. And I'm going to destroy those cities. I'm overthrowing them. Their wickedness has reached heaven. I cannot give them any more time. And the Bible says that Abraham said, Lord, if there are 50 righteous men in Sodom, will you destroy the city? God said, all right, Abraham, if I can find 50 righteous men in that city, I won't destroy it. Abraham said, well, Lord, uh, since I opened my mouth, if you find 45 righteous men, he knew how wicked Sodom was. He said, would you spare the city? The Lord said, Abraham, if I find 45, I'll spare it. He said, well, okay, Lord, in that case, if you find 40 
righteous men in the city. Will you spare it? God said, if I can find 40 righteous people in that city, I'll spare it. He said, well, Lord, while we're on the subject, if you find 30. You see, Abraham knew God was going to have a hard time finding some righteous men in that city. He said, Abraham, if I find 30, I'll spare the city. Well, Lord, what if there's only 20? You see, Abraham knew there would be hundreds of thousands of people destroyed in the wrath of God on that city. God, what if there's 20 people in there that fear you? He said, all right, Abraham, if I can find 20, I'll spare that city. All right, Lord, this is the last one. If you can find 10. Just 10 righteous people in that city. Will you destroy that city? Will you spare it from your wrath? God said, if I can find 10 righteous people in that city, I'll spare it, Abraham, because of you. And this is where Abraham, I think, missed it. I think he just needed to ask one more time. And say, God, if there's one man in there that fears you, will you spare that city? He stopped at 10. God couldn't find 10 righteous people in Sodom. I believe if he had said, God, if you just find one man who fears you, will you spare that city? And maybe if he had said, God, on my account, will you spare that city? God would have answered him. But the intercessor stopped. What am I telling you this morning? Don't stop. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop interceding. And the Bible says in the passage we read that Abraham went to the top of the mountain the next morning. And he looked over and he saw the valley, all those cities of the plain. And he saw the smoke rising because Sodom and Gomorrah had been destroyed. Because their sin had provoked the wrath of God. Today God is speaking to you. You and I are the Abraham that God is talking to. We are the men of faith, the men of greatness, the men who knows what to do with the disclosures of God. We are that man, we are that church that has the power to stand before God and intercede. Let us not fall silent now, Kingsway Church. There is much work to be done in 2020. Will you be that man who says, God, I want to be your friend. I want to walk with you. I want to know the secrets of your heart. Next week, I'll tell you about the other side of the equation. But I don't want you to be the other side of the equation. I don't want you to be the man that people laugh at when he preaches. Because nobody believes that what comes out of his mouth is really in his heart. I want you to be that man, that woman, that when you walk in the room, people know that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. That's a man of prayer. He walks with God. He's a friend of God. Kingsway Church, God is calling you today. He says, seek me, and you will find me. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open, because whoever asks will receive. Whoever seeks, finds. And whoever knocks, the door will be open unto him. If you've heard the voice and word of the Lord this morning, would you come into this altar? Come on, it's time to seek God. Let's stand together. 
Come on, it's time to seek God. Nobody has to call you. Nobody has to invite you. No one has to take you by the hand. You know it's time to seek God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the mighty name of Jesus. There's greatness on the inside of you. That's why God hasn't let you go. That's why you can't get him out of your mind. That's why you can't get him off of your thoughts. Because he has plans for you. He's invested greatness in you. He's looking for a man to walk with him as a friend.